This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly is starting right now. Just to give you a feel for how colony forming units work, if you're drinking water out of your tap at home, it's usually between about 5 and 110 colony forming units per milliliter. If you're drinking from a pond, for example, it's about 4,000 to 10,000 roughly. Hi, this is Todd DeVille, your host of Ian Weekly, and today we're going to be talking about water. How safe is your water? What I mean by that is your everyday water that you drink out of your tap is fairly safe, right? Goes through some testing processes and stuff like this. If you have city water, it goes through that process so you know how safe it is. My sister, for instance, she has a well. She lives in upstate New York. She has a well on her property. They have to have their water tested because they're not exactly sure how safe it is, but there's filters and stuff like this that they purchase to make sure that that water is drinkable and safe to use. What I was thinking here is how safe is our water that we drink in disasters? One of the reasons why this came up is I went to a meeting and we were talking about the disaster water that was being sent to to an area in Central California, which has dealt with some mudslides. I'm sure you guys all saw it on TV. And the question was there, how can we get water to them and how safe is it? And so the idea here is we were going to send empty trucks up to them with tankers on there because it's really water is really heavy to, to transport and how's it getting tested? And there's a whole bunch of water questions. And I'm working on getting uh, a municipal water expert and emergency water on on the show. So hopefully uh, we can get her on soon. She tentatively said yes. I'm looking forward to, to getting her on the show to talk really more about that aspect of it. But this came up and so we're having this conversation. One of the things that I thought about was when we're at the International Association of Emergency Managers meeting, we met one of the founders of uh, Purify, the water company. If you saw the video on our Facebook Live, it's a it's like a white canteen uh, looking bottle, really thick. Uh, the water is really tasty, triple sealed water. And Marcelo, um, he really gets into it here later on, so I'm not going to bore you with the details on my end of it, but the water was good. Um, it was tasty, so much so that we actually ordered water for the school where I work my full-time job. Uh, I'm excited about that. Again, we're not going to talk about products that I don't believe in, and so this is water that I do believe in, and it's been proven to be safe. And I wanted to bring them on to talk about the process with the water, why is it safe, and what does it mean to have safe, potable drinking water in a disaster? And it's one of those questions that we all have. Uh, it's one of those questions that we're going to have to uh, to answer some in some cases here sooner than later. Katrina had the issue. The questions were there. And Harvey, we talked about it there. Uh, when an earthquake happens in Southern California, when the water goes offline, you know, the difference between drinkable water, non-drinkable water, compared to uh, non-usable water, those type of questions that come out. So what do we do? Before I let you go to the interview, though, if you guys have not checked out our website, it's emweekly.com, www.emweekly.com is a website where you can uh, download a whole bunch of other things that are there besides the podcast. And we have some uh, new writers that we brought on board to share their knowledge and, and training that they have in emergency management. So I think that's exciting. And also, you can check us out on Facebook. We have our Facebook group. Uh, in the group, we do some other things throughout the week regarding polls and things like this and questions and conversations that are going on. And in the group this week we've been talking about the hawaii uh, messaging that went through and what is it what's the impact on emergency management so if you'd like to hear other people's point of view check it out join the group love to have you also you can find us on twitter it's uh, em underscore weekly and you can find us on linkedin as well and instagram as well love to have you on on all those social media platforms so come and check us out so let's get to marcelo hey guys how you doing really happy to have one of the founders of Purify Water. And if you guys remember the video that I did at the IAEM conference, drinking that bottle of water. Well, yeah, so we are actually able to get Marcelo Stradopoulos on here to talk about his product, what he's doing in the field there with making water safe for our people and for our responders. And so this is why we have him here on the show. So Marcelo, welcome to Ian Weekly. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Great to be here, Todd. So, Marcelo, why don't we start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in the world of, of emergency management slash disaster water and uh, and what you guys are doing. My background, just to give a little uh, 
little, you know, history of who I am and where I came from. I had been in the government sector into the private sector for a while. I, I used to be director of entrepreneur development for the state of Utah under Governor Huntsman. I've started probably over 30 businesses. Some have gone into the tens of millions. Others have fallen apart just like most businesses do. I've always had a passion for helping people. So when I when I was director of entrepreneur development um, for the state of Utah, I actually set up the entrepreneur, entrepreneur program to help entrepreneurs actually succeed. And that was a wonderful experience for me. But there was always something about, uh, you know, a, kind of a passion of mine. Out of all the different businesses I was starting, I really had this passion about emergency preparedness. And that started back in uh, the late 1990s. I don't know if you remember Y2K. Do you remember that at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world was going to end, right? You know, the, every computer was going to stop. And then, you know, everybody's counting down and New York hits and nothing happens and just a few few glitches here and there, but nothing big. But that kind of, you know, that, that whole little scare thing got me started thinking about emergency preparedness. And I think a lot of like a lot of other people, you know, after the scare was gone, the emergency preparedness kind of went by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, 9-11 happened and all of a sudden things go, go up again. And 2007, 2008 happened. And just all along that, that um, period of time, I got more and more interested to the point where I started writing books and studying and, and helping other people. And then I ended up purchasing a company called Food Storage, Food Storage Depot. And we got that to number three on the internet for food storage. Um, and at that point, we started getting all these clients from all over the world. Uh, we were shipping out to Australia, to, to um, Europe, uh, all over the United States. Uh, the Navy SEALs became one of my clients. And uh, I, I still, till this day, am friends with the chief nutritionist of the um, Navy SEALs. She and I go back and forth trying to figure out how to help out Navy SEALs. Just a, a lot of fun things happened, and as as I was uh, as I was um you know growing Food Storage Depot, I noticed that most of the companies out there selling food were actually lying. They were marketing companies and trying to be food companies, but they had no clue what they were doing. They were having somebody else package their food for them. They were uh, claiming these 25-year shelf life, these crazy shelf lives, where their food, if you tested it, it would only last about three or four years. And then I started noticing that water products were doing the same thing. And a lot of the emergency prep uh, market, there's amazing marketing money behind it and, and a lot of deception. And it started really bothering me. I don't know about you, but I'm not the type of person who likes to make a dollar off of somebody, somebody else's mis- misfortune. Right. And if I made a trillion, trillion dollars, you know, a trillion dollars and one little kid uh, died because of, of my negligence or my uh, dishonesty, that's not worth it to me. You know, take, take the trillion. I don't care. You know, right. it's not important to me. And so started developing courses like the seven prep steps, which is one of my courses took about 2000 hours to put together and uh, started speaking at different conferences. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was uh, just speaking on one of the main stages when I taught people, you know, from a manufacturing point of view, how to recognize whether a food company is telling you the truth or not, so that anybody, including my food, anybody can choose and uh, and and actually uh, put every every food to the test um, using these these same principles. So that that keeps me honest, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody else. Well, I just fi- finished giving this uh, really, you know, this talk. I had, I had a ton of people there, and and I uh, loved it. It was fun. And I thought, you know, let, let me just walk around and see what kind of booths there are out there and just uh, talk to some of the um, some of the uh, different companies. And when I was walking around, there was this uh, company claiming a 50-year shelf life on canned water. And that's actually one of my specialties because I owned, and I still, my partners and I own uh, the, the word cannedwater.com. And I knew a lot about canned water because that was one of the companies we were, you know, basically building. Mm-hmm. And I looked at I looked at the can and I just said, you know, that's not 50 year shelf life. It's in an aluminum can, right? Mm-hmm. And first of all, Pepsi and Coke is they've done an, a great job, uh, an amazing job, of figuring out how to make a can as cheap as possible so people can recycle it within six to 12 months. You know, drink it up and throw it away. And it was in a aluminum can, and I thought that's not 50 year shelf life. That thing doesn't last. And and I can give you the particulars in a little bit. Uh, but also, um, I turned to the people and I said, what, what's the shelf life? I mean, you say, you say shelf life. What's the uh, colony forming units, CFUs of that water? And they had no clue what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't know about bacteria, I knew that there were some problems there. Right. And so we ended up uh, going a little bit further. I don't know if you want me to go into depth in, into that or if, uh, if, if that kind of answers the question. That's kind of my journey up to, up to water. That's where I ended up saying, okay, we're, we're going to start a company um, after I actually tested their water. Uh, do you want me to go into that a little bit? Is that 
Is that okay or? Yeah, sure. Let me just let me just ask a quick question, kind of follow up on the water thing. Yeah, you bet. Being on the West Coast for myself, water is a big deal. Right, we go through droughts and all this kind of yeah. stuff. I know that we've gone through a process in Southern California of trying to look at ways of bringing water. Uh, mass water to people. You know, we're walking, working with the water districts of, of buying a large, basically it looks like, you know, like a gas truck, but it's full of water, things like that, storage yeah. and stuff like this. Um, you know, so it is a consideration for, for us. And those of us that have responded into some of the larger disasters, Budweiser, for instance, um, has retooled their vehicles to create um, uh, instead of beer in their cans, they put water in their cans. And it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, exactly you know yep. but, but I remember one time Budweiser showed up and we we're like yay and then it was water but we we're a little disappointed but <laughs> <laughs> you know so 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 water That's is definitely funny. one of those things that we think about a lot and 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 I think like water storage long term water storage uh, as emergency manager and and not necessarily for the people. Right. Uh, I mean, that's one thing. But yeah. I think just even for your emergency operations center, you know, if we're going seven days without additional resources coming in, we need to store water somehow. And I went through the process. Oh, at one, time. Yeah. And I went through the process at one organization that I was working for where we went and bought the blue barrels. Um, and put stabilizer in it, mm-hmm. and you know, and you still got to dump that out every, uh, you know, couple of years or so, and refill it up, and wash them, and and clean them, and make sure the bacteria is not growing, and testing them, and stuff like this. And so the solution for the blue barrels, though, you're still going to have to put that into another container. You know, is that container safe? Because now you have the idea of getting your responders sick. I'm not talking about again giving water to the public. I'm talking about just for our responders and for the people who are working in the EOC. And when I saw your product yeah. and the cool. Part what I thought about your product was the fact that the can, the the bottle, turns into like it's like a canteen. It's really thick. And if you guys saw that video, and I'm, we're gonna share it on the website as well, go back and take a look at that video. I mean, you threw that bottle way up in the air. It landed, didn't break, nothing. You know, we we're able to to open it up, look at it. It was fresh water. It tasted good. You know, it didn't taste like the aluminum can ones taste like aluminum can, right? This this water did not taste like an aluminum can. It didn't taste like plastic bottle either for them or just tastes like fresh water. So yeah. Yep. So how does your pr- product, you know, that's a long intro to this question. How does your product in that hard plastic canteen type can bottle, how do you do that to make it so it doesn't taste like it's a bottle and it's able to be stored for a long period of time, longer than the blue bought the blue uh, big barrels, right? Uh, longer than yep. that. And then you now you don't have that distribution issue going on. And then secondly, if we uh-huh. have something going on, this is going to be going to put you on the spot here a little bit. If the disaster occurs today, how long would it take for you guys to, to ramp up to be able to produce water and to get it out to areas in a timely manner? That's a great, uh, great two questions. Um, so let me start with the first one. I, you're exactly right. I mean, when you're talking about big blue barrels, I mean, that's the right way to do it, right? Uh, you, you, you get the proper UV rating, like a UV8, which lasts for eight years in the sun, a dark color, or, or at least a color that's not transparent, uh, first generation, sturdy and safe, the right type of plastic, BPA-free. Uh, um, you want HDPE plastic. And, and that's interesting because the HDPE plastic is exactly what we use. It's the exact same that the military uses. And why HDPE plastic? Because HDPE, high-density polyethylene plastic is the um, safest food plastic in the world. It's the most used uh, plastic in the world. It's the type of plastic that doesn't leach into your food or water. Um, It's also uh, the most recycled plastic in the world, which is nice as well. So when you're comparing aluminum cans and HDPE, HDPE is uh, uh, recycled, um, you know, at the top top of the list when it comes to plastics, just like aluminum cans are. And so it's just the right thing to do. Now, if I can back up, I I started telling the story about getting to that booth. And I think this will answer a little bit more about your your question. I didn't finish the story. Okay. um, Because I thought it was kind of interesting. But when I got up there, um, they started saying all these things, and you know, behind the booth about their this, uh, you know, this can of water is a blue can of water, and it was aluminum. And they said, yeah, it's the safest or it's the cleanest water out there. You can use it for surgery in hospitals. First of all, you got to be real careful saying that because that's a that could be, you know, you can go to court for that because <clears throat> there's actually a process for that, right? And so I I said, well, that's interesting. Look at the can, and it says less than one part per million of particles. Now that has nothing to do with bacteria. Okay. What one less than one part per million of, of particles. All that means is that they put it through a really good filtering system that got rid of all the part, particles, which is reverse osmosis. 
Right. So you get rid of everything, all, you know, all the all, all the nutrients, good stuff, as well as the bad stuff. It's just water at the end. That's all it is. But it doesn't say anything about bacteria because bacteria is in part of the particles. And so I actually asked them this question when they were sitting there saying it's the cleanest thing in the world. I said, okay, what's the CFU count? Like I mentioned earlier, right? Right. What's the CFU count? And they're like, CFU, what's that? Well, there's a red flag because everybody should know what CFU is if they're doing or dealing with water to that, you know, that are 50 year shelf life water. And I said, that's colony forming units of bacteria. You can't have any colony forming units of bacteria. It has to be zero. Okay. And with a can like that, my guess is you guys aren't, aren't uh, boiling it after you close it because the only way you can get it down to zero up to that point, okay, a year and a half ago, because we found another way and it, it took us about a year to figure it out. The only way to do it back then is to put the water inside the can and then boil it inside there to be able to kill everything afterwards because if there's a little bit of bacteria on that lid, uh, you're going to grow bacteria through the, throughout the whole uh, can. And so I, I know for a fact that you can't boil those cans. They explode. Right. Okay? And so what they said is they said, well, you know, the the army used to do it. And I said, yeah, the army did used to do it. They, they did it in a, in a tin can. Okay. And they're like, yeah, it was a can. And I said, no, it was a tin can. That's made out of zinc, okay? That doesn't rust. Uh, it, it lasts for a long time. Have you ever tried to source tin these days? Hmm. It's almost impossible. It's almost almost impossible to get tin these days. <laughs> and if you were to get it, it would be spotty and it would be very expensive. So you're talking about a can of water that's probably going to cost you anywhere between twenty and fifty dollars per can if you're going to do that. But um, but if you're going back to the military, and this is a long answer for a short question, but it's it's fun just to learn. If you were to go back to the military about 50 years ago, back in, you know, 50, 70 years ago, when you're talking about World War II, they had to figure out a way to put water in a can, leave enough of a gap that it can freeze, and then also enough of a gap that it can float in water. What they ended up doing is they ended up um, soldering the bottom of the can, okay, so there is no way the water could leak through that little edge, which you cannot do today, by the way. It gets way too expensive. Water will leak into the edges and start rusting it from the inside out. And then what they would do is they would put a chemical inside the water. They would put the water in there. They would cap it. Then they would boil it. So now it becomes a pressure cooker. And then they soldered the outside. And then they ended up dipping the whole thing in an enamel to protect the inside and outside. So they did that ahead of time on the inside. But then they did it on the outside afterwards. And so you have a bulletproof can. And if you ever try to taste that stuff 50 years later, um, you might as well just die. <laughs> like so bad. <laughs> it doesn't taste good at all. I mean, obviously, when you when you store water for years, it ends up tasting pretty awful because you know the the oxygen's out of it. Uh, so you want to you know oxygenate it by shaking it up and down, or you know take a little bit out, stir it, or something. Right. But that stuff, because of the chemi- chemicals and the epoxy that they use, all of it just went into the water, mm. and it just tastes horrible, worse than just deoxygenated water. I ended up, you know, as far as them telling me that, you know, yeah, 50 years, uh, 50 year uh, shelf life on this canned water, I've got your apples and oranges. You're talking about something you cannot make today. Right. Okay? It's not going to be made. It's not, it doesn't work. So with the aluminum cans, you can call any of the companies, which I have, by the way, the Pepsis and everybody else. And you ask them, what shelf li- what's the shelf life of an aluminum can? They say well, about six, six to 12 months is what we made it for. You might be able to get a little bit more. So then you go on to eBay and you start searching out, um, for example, aluminum cans out there and put in 20 year shelf life, not even 50, but 20 year shelf life on aluminum cans. You'll see a ton of people selling them and they'll say never opened, but we don't know how, but all the liquid's gone out of it. Hmm. Okay. It's because you you have an aluminum can that's so thin and it has these seams at the very top. And those seams, when you have pressure from the inside pushing out, okay, those seams are going to break or they're going to create micro holes. And those seams around the edges and the top where the little pull tab is are really, really thin. And so if, if there were not pressure on the inside, it would last a little bit longer. But the strength of an aluminum can is the carbon dioxide or the nitrogen inside the can. If you don't have that and you try to step on it, it crushes. And so you have to have pressure from the inside pushing out. And that's also the weakness because now it starts pushing water out. And that's called water vapor transfer rate. Okay. That, that's where water can get through like those little plastic bottles, you know, that everybody buys for emergencies Yeah. Uh, that you buy from Costco. Huh? If you leave them in a, a warm garage over a year or two, you, you ever see what happens to them? Oh yeah. I've had it happen to me. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the water's half gone. Right. That's what happens with aluminum cans as and, well. And the bottle kind of crinkles so, a little bit too, right? Oh yeah. It crinkles. Plus it's very unsafe. It's not, a, the chemicals go into the water right. from those type of bottles. Okay. 
Plus, if you store it anywhere on top of concrete or close to any other chemicals, it goes right into the water. Right, so anybody right. storing storing this stuff and somebody has cleaning supplies by it or, or, you know, cars going by with all the exhaust, you're getting that stuff in your water. It's just, there, you know, it's a very, very thin plastic in those bottled waters. But uh, I digress. Let's go back to the cans. We're going to take a quick break right now and we'll listen to more from Marcelo when we get back. The modern emergency manager wears a lot of hats, so how do you also fit in the needs of your exercise program? It is a matter of time, and how much is your time worth? A lot. TTX Vault is the answer to getting some of that time back. We offer pre-assembled tabletops, drills, and functional exercises spanning NIMS, hospitals and healthcare, special operations, and more, all coming from the archives of the Blue Cell. Get a jumpstart on the exercise process and visit us today at www.ttxvault.com. Emergencies happen, whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather-related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Hey, welcome back from the quick break, and thank you guys for listening to EM Weekly. When I talked to this uh, company that was the master reseller for that company, the can- canned water company, I sat there and I, I asked them that question, what's the CFU count? And they said, we don't know. And I said, well, why don't you grab a case that's been packaged two, three months ago, let's not even wait for 50 years, why don't you send it over to one of the top labs in the world, which is out of Florida? Okay, let's not mess around. These guys are going to burn it with alcohol on the top in a clean room. I mean, they're going to do all the precautions to make sure there's no contamination because they do it for the CDC and a whole bunch of others. Mm-hmm. And why don't we see? And they said, good good idea. I mean, all we're doing is trusting the company who put it out and they say it's clear and clean. So let's test it. So they did and they sent it in. And just to give you a feel for how colony forming units work, if you're drinking water out of your tap at home, it's usually between about five and 110 colony forming units per milliliter. If you're drinking from a pond, for example, it's about 4,000 to 10,000 roughly, okay? And so just to give you a feel, they tested, they randomly picked about eight cans from a case and they tested them. I ended up talking to the owner of that company and I said, what were your thoughts? And he said, well, I was really excited to drink that water. It's pretty cool, water in a can. But as soon as we tested it, he said, I I wouldn't drink and drink it if my life depended on it because it did. Mm -hmm. You know, it would. And he said, um, the cans came out on average 3,330. Okay. There was one that was about 1,250 and another one that was 9,400 and something, if I remember right. And all of them were contaminated. Now, that that's interesting because let's go back to the process. Remember they said one part per million of, of, uh, of particulars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you put it, you put it through a, um, a reverse osmosis, you just created hungry water. You take everything out of the H2O and that, that water is hungry. It'll just attach to anything. Mm. And so you put it, you put it inside an aluminum can that has a little bit of bacteria in there because it wasn't sterilized ahead of time, or the lid wasn't sterilized completely, or the machine that put on the lid wasn't uh, sterilized, and somehow they got bacteria in there, okay? That bacteria is just going to grow and grow after two months, okay? It was crazy. On that run, by the way, they didn't see the bacteria on day one or day two. They, they said, looks clean to us. The bacteria exploded on day three, and I asked them, why is that? He said it, he, he thinks it was dormant, whether it's because of the nitrogen or whatever. It was dormant, but the bacteria was there and it was growing. And uh, it had turned the Petri dish completely orange, completely. Wow. Uh, and the report said overgrown with bacteria. And so they couldn't believe it. So they actually did a whole bunch of other cans to see if they were they're testing it right. And it came, came out uh, just as bad, as bad or, or worse. So since that time, a number of other companies have gone out and tested it as well. Some of the biggest companies in the industry, actually, the ones that do it for the Red Cross, uh, the ones, uh, uh, some of the biggest companies doing water that were reselling that canned water ended up testing the water as well. And supposedly the process was supposed to be fixed after they got reported. Mm -hmm. And what they're finding is that one out of every three or four cans now has contaminants. In it, and one of them, with one of the reports we got from the people, I think it was the Red Cross people, if I remember right, 
Um, they uh, they found 10,400. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, who we're working with to supply them water, uh, they have all the testing equipment. Uh, they they tested the canned water and it was up in the five thousands. Wait 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 wait. I think wait. it was fifty six hundred right around there. So you sorry about that. Just you just said something. Yeah. So you guys are supplying water to Los Angeles DWP. Oh, right. we're working, we're working with a bunch of different organizations. That's amazing. And um, and yeah, so we're we're working with them. They've been great. They, they tested our water alongside with uh, the canned water, and they're wonderful to work with. Just a wonderful organization. Uh, they they're on top of things uh, tremendously. And I love I love I love I love. I mean, this is this is a credit to the people of Los Angeles, by the way, because they didn't take my word for it. I said it's clean. Look at my test. They didn't take my word for it. They ended up saying, yeah, you, you said it, but we're going to go test it. And they ended up testing it. Now, how many companies do that? Right. Everybody believes marketing, you know, but they actually went and tested it and they tested the canned water as well. And so, so the people who live in the Los Angeles area, you've got an amazing, amazing company representing you just to let you know, uh, they, they don't mess around. Okay. So I, I just want to, you know, applaud them for doing such a good job. So going back, and this is fun for me to talk about because when I decided, um, when I, when I talked to the master distributor for this company, uh, they ended up saying, well, you know, well, let's figure out how to get a, a canned water out there that has no bacteria in it. And I said, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to retort it, which is boiling it inside the can. Mm-hmm. But when we boil it inside the can, now you have a whole bunch of other problems like atmospheric pressure problems where you ship it from uh, you know, sea level to mountain and it just crushes or plane, you know, problems where it can't go in a plane or rusting problems from the inside out. And I talked to can manufacturer after can manufacturer ball, uh, you know, um, all the big ones, crown, you name it, just went around talking to them, meeting with them, going to their establishment, different, different establishments. And all of them said the same thing. That can is not going to last more than five to 10 years. Mm. Okay. It was better than the aluminum can, which is supposed to last only two years, right? Right. But still, five to ten years, cans aren't going to work, and we can't do tin. It's just too expensive. One of uh, one of my teammates, actually one of the owners of our company, was meeting was was in a meeting, and he and he had an idea, and it just sparked in his mind. You know, the military canteens, they're thick, HDPE plastic. It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, there's no water vapor transfer rate. You have to worry about bacteria can't get in, water can't get out. Uh, you can throw that thing on the ground. It's not going to break. And we had to actually work on that for a while because the plasticity of the lids, uh, at first, you drop it on, on top of the lid and that thing broke the first time. Yeah. And we had to work on the plasticity to the point where you can drop it on the lid, you know, three, four, five times from 10 feet. And and, uh, and most of the time it stays just perfectly fine. In fact, there's a YouTube video guy, um, uh, emergency um, guy. And I talked to him and I said, hey, could I send... Uh, uh, the canned water and our water, and just you can do a comparison. He said, yeah, go ahead. But I'm warning you, if you send anything to me and I don't like your product, I'm going to make you pay for shipping to get it out of my house. I said, not a problem at all. So I sent it to him. It's funny. He ended up taking our water and he ended up throwing it in the air and it didn't break. So he threw it higher in the air and it didn't break. So he grabbed it like a football and he just started throwing it on the ground and it still didn't break. <laughs> and um, and that's what, that's what we built. We built the longest lasting, toughest water out there in a reusable canteen. Nobody has that. Nobody has a reusable canteen, okay? Nobody has something that, that is that durable. And when we put down 20-year shelf life on that water, we feel like we're under-promising instead of over-promising because obviously that HDPE plastic is not going to break down in 20 years. Right. We triple seal it. We put an induction seam underneath that cap, okay? Um, we put an induction seam under there, which induction, what that is, is if you were to glue a seam inside the, on top of the bottle, for example, that glue over, uh, over 78 degrees is going to fall apart over time. Okay. Uh, that's why filters, for example, people boil their filters, to get them clean, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing themselves a disservice because as soon as they build, boil that filter, they just melted the glue and now bacteria, viruses, protozoa, whatever is going to get through. And so with, with that in mind, we're thinking the only weak point we have on this um, HDPE bottle, canteen, is that top part right there. What are we gonna do to make sure bacteria can't get in? And so we thought we need to use a metal film lined with plastic that we melt to the top that you have to peel off, uh, break the seam. And that's what we did. So there's no glues involved. Now it's plastic metal onto plastic melted. 
So we went the extra mile on that. So we had to, I mean, it literally took about a year to figure out how to do all this, how to figure out how, how to take water, filter it, and get it to a point where we can actually keep the bacteria from growing in it. And, you know, you don't want to use harsh chemicals like chlorine or anything like that. But, oh, first of all, it tastes horrible, right? right? But also it can break down the plastics. And so it was a lot of trial and error. We messed up a ton of time, spent a lot of money. And then finally we figured it out is, you know, how you have those little brainstorms. Then all of a sudden one day building on idea after idea after idea, failure after failure after failure, you know, like Thomas Edison, ding, like those. <laughs> right. Like, right. We're like, wait a minute. Well, I think we can do this. So we have a process that's unique. Um, it's secret. And this is to answer your, your second question. We can't tell you. Uh, we'd have to kill you. So sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's like it's like that uh, it's, it's like that commercial. What was it? The was it Calgan or something like that? Ancient Chinese secret. secret. Yeah, you remember that? Well, <laughs> yeah, ancient one, Chinese secret. That just ages about you know fifty years. You realize that, right? We were. Yeah, it does. I know I'm about fifty years old. So, <laughs> so, so, anyways, <laughs> so we ended up figuring out how to do it, and we got we got the process down. We we're, we're hitting 100% uh, no bacteria over and over. We test that every batch. We don't do the one-day test where, where you can get away with, uh, you know, bacteria in your water um, if you test it for one day. We do a full five-day test, okay, and, 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 or a 15-day test. We, we go for the full measure to prove that there's no bacteria in there, even dormant bacteria. And when you have no bacteria in the water, obviously there's no shelf life, right. okay? because nothing can grow. It's like the 50 year shelf life water from the from World War II. Um, so, you know, you have a plastic that's not, not gonna break down. You have a water that tastes great, by the way. And it, it, it you know, it tastes wonderful years later. It, the process we use is, is a pretty cool process. And that it doesn't taste like plastic. You tasted it, I mean. Right. How did it taste to you? Oh, it was, it was beautiful. It didn't have any taste. I mean, it tastes like fresh water and yeah it, and just to go back to the can for people or the bottle i mean the bottle itself is a, is a nice size bottle something that you yeah. can it, you can dispense it out to the troops they could put it into their cargo pocket if they have one the lid is like the canteen lid and then it has yep. a seal across the outside of it like a plastic seal and then the the tab is, yeah and the tab that he's talking that marcel is talking about it's like if you've bought like um say orange juice from like um one of those plastic orange juice bottles at the grocery store and you open it up and it has the, the little plastic tab on there that's the exact same type of thing. It pops off and the water tastes great. It really does. So, and you got that right. I mean, the, the thing, the thing about a disaster is that you have, you have uh, thing, you know, possible contaminants in the air, uh, possible contaminants in the water, you know, or I'm sorry, possible contaminants if it were flooding, for example, in water. So, and that's, what's beautiful about the, our, our, our uh, bottle. It's a liter size, which is when we were talking to some of the government entities, they were saying, can we get a little bit bigger than a 12 ounce and we said yeah let's do a liter because a liter is is one day's worth of drinking water not bathing not cooking okay this is one day's worth of drinking water on on the um on the low end you should drink at least one water one liter of water a day mm -hmm. and so now we're we're giving when we're handing out this bottle here's one day's worth of drinking water and by the way when you open that can that bottle up with all the contaminants in the air or if it's flooding contaminants in the water with oils and gases and everything else that gets into the floods when you open that thing up the beautiful part is that cap is protecting where you put your mouth up to the water and so you're not having that you know every other every other pouch box can all that stuff has that problem right. you have contaminants and you don't know you don't know what you're going to put on your lips this doesn't because it's protected completely by a plastic seal, then a cap underneath that plastic seal, and then an induction seam underneath that cap. And so, you know, when you drink it up, then all of a sudden you put the cap back on. So uh, an emergency truck comes by, they're refilling water. Guess what? You refill your, your, your little canteen and you carry it with you. Okay. And then you refill it again and you carry it with you. Uh, where the pouches would have been torn open, the cans would have been useless. Uh, the box is gone. You know, um, this is used over and over and over. And that bottle's thick enough to wash and to reuse if you need to. Unlike oh, the totally. unlike the little plastic bottles which crush and they're they're useless. And the one that you gave me at the IEM, I drank it. And it was delicious. And then yeah. Um, I, yeah. I I brought it back to my office and I and it's sitting in my sitting on my desk and on my on one of my desks. And I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm going, well, I don't want to throw it away because it's it's so useful. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like kind of, kind of sitting there and I'm like, man, this is awesome. So it is, it is a really nice, I mean, it's, this is like the weird thing for me to talk about like a product like this, is, but it's the bottles 
nice. It's, it's an odd reusable bottle. Well, it's and thick, and, too. And, yeah. <laughs> it's nice and thick. So, yeah, cool. Very, um, very thick. Hey, one of the things that is, um, you know, we're, we're working, uh, obviously, we just launched a company after a, a year, year and a half of putting it together, testing it out. Um, we launched it, uh, you know, earlier this year. And the, uh, the beautiful part about it is we're working with all these organizations, especially hospitals. Right now, I don't, I don't know, there are 17 verticals, and I don't know if you know this. Medicare, Medicaid uh, created a program called Shelter in Place, where all hospitals have to have water um, in place in case of an emergency. In fact, most organizations, most businesses should follow those practices where there's a 72-hour kit or, and uh, some supply of water. And so usually you want one to three liters. And with the hospitals, they usually do, I think, three liters per bed per day. And they usually try to get about three to five days worth of water at least. And so that's just drinking water. That's not the big containers that they're going to use for washing wounds and uh, for whatever else they're going to use it. But the, when, you know, talking to these hospitals, they, the way they're doing it right now is they're, they're bringing in you know, pallets and pallets and pallets of bottled water. And that bottled water has to be rotated every year. And it's a pain to get rid of that. You know, it's a pain to do it, take, put it in, get rid of it, put it in, get rid of it. And so they're, they understand that, you know, after about three to five years, if they just get a purified water bottle, it pays for itself. And when you consider that inflation, you know, water's not going to get cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to get more expensive over time. When you think about 20 years down the road, when you finally say, oh, we better drink this water, get rid of it if we haven't yet, uh, haven't used it for an emergency yet. 20 years later, that's some pretty cheap water at that point because right. of inflation. It's and true. so, so they're, they're, they're looking at this and saying, we got to rethink this. The pouches tear, uh, the boxes break, uh, the cans don't last, they leak, uh, the bottles leak, uh, the chemicals get into the, or to the uh, small bottles, like the regular drinking bottles. This is the solution that they're going, okay, this will last. This works. This makes sense. We can hand these out. People can take care of themselves at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been really fun to to have people do a cost cost uh, based analysis. You know, uh, just to figure out. You know, it's just fun watching it. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> does that make sense? It sure does. How durable is this water? To say, if you were able to work with, like, say, the United Nations or. Um, uh, those organizations where they're the Peace Corps, something like that, where they're going over into areas or waters contaminated to be able to get this water distributed. Is it is it something that can easily be done, or are you guys still uh, in the process of uh, of ramping up to hold those supplies? So yes, um, it's definitely a process that can be done. Uh, my recommendation is that we set up a you know if we were doing it for other countries, which we've already had people calling from the Red Crescent. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Turkey. So I, I didn't know there was a Red Crescent. So there's the Red Cross here and there's the Red Crescent there. And so other countries have been saying, hey, can you do this uh, for us as well? And my recommendation was, would be, uh, and we haven't gotten to that point, we're too new, would be to set up a bottling plant out there, use our technology gotcha. and um, and do it in, in the place. Because it, it gets pretty expensive to ship right. water, right? Um, unless there's a huge shipping container. Yeah, yeah a shipping container then that's fine because those are built to handle lots of weight and lots of water and that's fine. But as far as uh, supplying lots of water right now, um, we are, we are ramping up. Uh, We're getting more and more orders right now. Um, uh, It's about a four to six week lead time. We're having to expand our production. So we will be able to handle more and more over time. Uh, But right now it's about about four to six weeks uh, when people place an order. Uh, we want to get that down to, you know, hopefully by, you know, within the next six months down to about one to two weeks and have a healthy supply on hand at all times for emergencies. So you saw the emergencies that happened in Texas and Puerto Rico and Florida right. and our water went out there. Okay, you cool. know, our, our water was out there and, and I thought that was great. You know, we were able to help people out. Um, I'd like to see that in FEMA's hands. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see some of the uh, organizations actually buy this water ahead of time and put it in strategic locations so we don't have to wait five days before it gets shipped out there. That's what I'd love to see. And uh, and obviously there's two types of water in emergency, right? There's immediate water okay, where you can't wait for uh, Pepsi and Coke and, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch or whoever is going to can or bottle the water to get it out to you or Costco or Sam's Club. There's, there's, um, there's immediate water that uh, is us, Purify, okay? Mm. That gets handed handed out right there on the spot, gets refilled over and over, 
And then there's the other water that gets shipped in because all the bottled water got taken and drunk really quickly. Right. Right. Um, from the, from the stores. And so I'm hoping that a lot of the, uh, establishments out there, um, start thinking ahead of time and think, um, okay, what can we do to put water in strategic locations so that we do not have the problems we're having? And, and when the other water comes in, at least people were taken care of for three to five days. Uh, so that's who, that's who we are. We're the first water. Uh, we're the first emergency water until, until you can uh, restock, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Dr. Lucy Jones talks about when the uh, large-scale earthquake does occur <clears throat> on the San Andreas Fault, and that's what the uh, Great Shakeout is built upon. Yep. Uh, she was saying that you're talking about six months without water because the supplies are going to be oh. uh, uh, jacked up. So, you know, I mean, I don't think we can hold six months worth of water supply, but at least you can get enough water here in the area until we can get tankers and stuff like that inside. So that's, you know, water, like I said, at the beginning of the show, for me, it's one of those things I think about a lot. I've done a lot of, of, of reading. The Cadillac Desert is one of the premier books specifically talking about water shortages on in the uh, uh, the Southwest. And uh, there's some other documentaries and stuff that are based upon uh, water shortages. And we see this today. We see that there's a lot of contaminated areas of drinking water. Um, matter of fact, uh, in, I forget the name of the cities, and I'll, I'll look it up, I suppose, and put it up here. But there was a city in uh, Central California, two cities, I believe, that ran out of water. People are having to ship water in uh, and, and buy water um, you know, via a Costco or whatever in the bottles to drink and to bathe in. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's... Wasn't it's, that over by Porter... I think it was by Porterville or Visalia or something Yeah, like Visalia, that. I it think it was. I, I, yeah, I don't... I don't think it was Visalia, but I think it was south of south uh, west or south, southeast of Visalia. I think yeah. close to Porterville, if I remember right. Yeah, that's exactly the area I'm talking about. So, I mean, so the the water issue is it's something that as emergency managers we really need to be thinking about and and planning for, and whether it's for being able to get water for everybody, which is going to be really hard to do. But at a minimum, we have to supply our staff and our first responders. Uh, to, so they can go out and, and support the public w- until we can get some additional uh, supplies in. And I think that um, Marcellus product here uh, is something that you guys should take a look at. And just to be clear, you know, I, we're not connected with, with them at all. We're, there's no money coming back to us through, you know, through this interview. It's a product that I saw at the International Association of Emergency Managers. I got to meet Marcelo. <clears throat> I think he's a solid guy. I think his product is a solid product. And this is why I invited him to come on to the show to talk about what he's doing. And he, and obviously, you could tell he's very, very, very intelligent about what water is and, and, and how this is processed. So... I really uh, think that you guys should at least take a look at what they have. So, Marcel, how how could somebody get in touch with you uh, regarding your product? Um, I, I'll give my uh, I, my guess is you got some pretty good people on this on the show. I don't think I have to worry about it. But I'll, I'm going to give my personal line out, and anybody can reach out to me. And uh, and what we'll do too is uh, if if anybody just mentions they heard heard um, from the EM Weekly, we'll just make sure we give them our our they're not going to pay wholesale or um, retail prices. They're going to pay some pretty good prices. So we'll give them our, our good discounts for, for water. Oh, great. And so just, just have them let me, you know, just say, Hey, heard, um, you know, Todd's show, EM weekly. And I'll, I'll, I'll honor that. And, um, and by the way, I love your integrity. Um, I, I love that, you know, you, you wouldn't even let me give you any money. So <laughs> I always like to help people out who are promoting us. And, and I thought that was really cool that you, you're saying, no, we have a radio show. We want to keep uh, the integrity of the show. And, um, and so I always like to just give back. I always like to help people who help other people. And, and I feel like you're helping our company. Um, and as, as an entrepreneur, I want to thank you for that, first of all. And, um, and second of all, um, if you need to get a hold of me, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, I'm going to give you my email. And I'm also going to give you uh, my cell phone number. And, uh, and don't, you know, don't pass it around for people to text me all day long or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, just just get get a hold of me, text me or, or call me. I just let me know that you heard heard uh, from this show. And my my email is Marcello with two L's, so kind of like Marcello from Italy, right? Marcello. So it's M A R. So M is in Mary, A R C is in Cat, E is in Edwards, L L O at Purify dot com, and that's P is in P is in Paul. U R A V is in Victor A I dot com uh, purevi dot com 
And so, and uh, and by the way, that's uh, uh, the name Purify, you know, Pura, Pura, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Spanish means pure. And uh, and Vai um, is one of our owners is a is um, a Polynesian, and uh, from his his place, his country, Vai means water. So we have pure water. Oh, very good. And that's what it is, uh, pure pure Vai. And so, so it's uh, MarceloAppearBuy.com, and my cell phone number is 801-808-8458, and, uh, and feel free to reach out to me, and I'll, I'll help you out where I can. Um, I'm always excited to meet new people and, and help, um, help organizations out. That's awesome. So I'm going to have the toughest question of the day for you. Go for it. What book or publication do you recommend somebody in either emergency management or leadership or maybe just on, on water? Do you recommend for people to read? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think, you know, like I've been doing this for so long. It's like, I, I think, uh, I, I just learned a ton on my own. I, I remember, remember I was telling you about the seven prep steps course. Mm-hmm. I built that more for families. So any family can go and learn. And, uh, and one of the reasons why it took so long is because I had so much information and I was trying to figure how do you how do you take all this information and condense it so that anybody can you know not spend a year trying to understand it, but they can get to it quickly. And that's where the Seven Prep Steps was born. You've heard you heard probably that uh, story about the writer, the famous writer who ended up writing his friend a letter, right? And he said to his friend, "I'm so sorry if um you know I'm so sorry if I had more time, the uh, the letter would have been shorter." <laughs> and uh, and that's, <laughs> that's that's exactly what I did. I took all this complex information, thought, how can I simplify it to the point where anybody can understand it? And it's very simple to get to the information. That's what's in the Seven Prep Steps book. It's a workbook. It takes people through seven preparedness steps. And, um, you know, just the first part of it, first half of the book is a risk assessment. You you mentioned something interesting. I don't know if we have a few more minutes if I can talk uh, for a little bit more. But you mentioned something really interesting about California having the big earthquake, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the thing that people don't understand is they think, well, after it shakes and everything, you know, um, everything will be good. But if it's a big enough earthquake, guess what happens? It breaks the water mains all over the place. And you do not have running water. And if you do have running water and the electricity is out, that water is not going to be running for very much longer. Right. And so, so um, a lot of people don't don't understand when you're when you have thousands and thousands of water mains broken in an area, that's not going to get fixed overnight. It's not going to be a week or two. It's going to be months, six to twelve months to get that fixed. The same the same problem where I'm I'm at in Utah, we actually have one of the biggest fault lines. In, in, uh, in the world here, most common fault lines, it, it, it happens like clockwork and we're overdue. So probably within the next 40, 50 years, we're going to have that problem. And the fault line goes across some of the biggest water mains in this area. So I know personally that I'm going to have to have at least four to six wa- um, months of water in my big tanks uh, that, I, that I store water in. And then a, a whole bunch of little drinking water in my small tanks, which is the Purevi. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and, and the thing is, that's not uncommon. I mean, we're talking, and just to give you, not to burst the bubble of California, if, um, uh, what did I just go blank on it? What, what do they call the uh, one in California, the big one? San Andreas? Yeah. You know, yeah, they, they say they're waiting for the big one or the big, is it the big one? Yeah, the big one, the San Andreas uh, Fall, they, yeah. Yeah, it's, they, they say the words the big one, right? Yes. The big earthquake yeah, the big one well yeah. i don't know if you know know this but um oregon washington if if california is the big ones then uh, oregon or oregon and washington is the really big one right and a lot of people don't know that yes yeah, this is true the cascadia you got the cascadia subduction zone right there 50 miles off the coast of oregon washington and that thing is, is set to go off um, probably within the next 50 years or so then you have you know missouri illinois kentucky tennessee Ar- arkansas all of those are on the new madrid um uh, missouri uh, uh fault line which when that goes off it's caused some pretty crazy things but there's you know there's all over the united states we have these problems and uh and and earthquakes is just one of the many problems we're not talking about uh, you know, we didn't mention tornadoes. We didn't mention, you know, hurricanes. We didn't mention so many other things that people need to be prepared for. Lights out. I mean, everything, you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime there's any type of riot or crazy um, social unrest, people run to run to the uh, stores and empty everything out. Well, snowstorms, yeah. right? And I mean, large snowstorms back east. I mean, snowstorms. Yeah. Totally. You name it. Yeah, because that can, you know, frozen frozen pipes. A blackout for months, or not months, but weeks. You, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting water sometimes. 
there's a lot of things out there. Uh, and, and water, you're right, is exactly the probably one of the most important things you can have on hand. And you've heard the adage, you can go, what was it, um, well, three, three seconds without hope, three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when you think about it, water is more important than food. And obviously, air is import, more important than, than water. Okay. But for some reason, when there's, a, when there's a big emergency or a big crisis, people can still breathe. That's nice. Right. Okay. So the next thing on the, on the list is obviously water. That's the next thing that's most important just to keep, keep us going. Well, very well, Marcelo. Thank you so much for, for being here. I don't want to take too much more of your time up. Like I said, I just want to say, uh, uh, everybody, you know, check them out. Everything that Marcelo just told us about is, is contact information. We'll put down in the show notes. So if you don't have a pencil with you right now, don't worry about it. We'll uh, uh, we'll, we'll have it down there for you to, to click on and go to and check out his stuff. Uh, we're going to upload the video that we're going to have that we that we made when we're at the uh, International Association of Emergency Managers Conference. Yeah, anything else you'd like to add, Marcelo, before you go? No, just a um, pleasure to be on your show. You know, thank you for even thinking about us. And, and uh, it's an honor, Todd. Thank you. Um, and I hope uh, for those of you listening, I hope uh, I hope in some way I can serve you um, in any, any way. Even if you never bought, uh, purchase anything from us, I'd love to help you out where I can. Um, if, if, if we can help you with Pure by Water, I'd love to. Hi, this is Todd DeVoe from EM Weekly. If your company is in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we bring in experts in emergency management, response, and leadership from around the world, and they're here to share their best practices. Our listeners are eager to learn about new products and ideas, so this is the space for you. For more information, please contact Brian at brian at emweekly.com.